Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Welcome to episode number 13 of the MTB Tribe Podcast, the show that takes you inside the sport of mountain biking, picking the brains of industry leaders, finding out what makes them tick. We will be bringing you information on everything from gear to diet to trails and everything in between, and also why you ride. Yes, I want to talk to you, the everyday rider, and break down the reasons why you ride. So please log on to the website mtb-tribe.com you can subscribe there and leave your name and any info you wish and we will get back to you and hopefully get you on the podcast stranger things have happened you never know so on today's show we are talking to the guys jamie and bruce from mudhugger it's the mudhugger.co.uk if you don't know their brand check it out and if you don't know it you've obviously been getting wet throughout the last number of winters because they produce a really excellent range of mud guards and some other bits and pieces um, in the range for mountain biking and keeping you dry and keeping you mud free over the winter periods and dust free over the summer periods of course um so it's great to have the guys on the show the guys are super cool and uh, i know they were very busy so i i must just say thank you for taking time out of your schedule to be on the show i really appreciate it guys that's awesome so we talked to the guys about why they started mud hugger in the first place um how the product was designed why they felt there was a need there for the product we also talked to them about um prices of the products their most popular products we talked to them about why they only produce in the uk and what's so important to them about that we also talk about how they go about getting rider feedback for their product and also some of the future elements involved in mudhugger what they've got planned for the future um quite exciting and uh very good to see the brand growing so fastly so please sit back Listen to Jamie and Bruce from Mudhugger. Now, I just have to say, the audio does drop in and out a wee bit here. Uh, we had a slight issue with bandwidth, etc. So, But please bear with the show. It is very good. A lot of good information in there. So sit back, enjoy the show, and welcome Jamie and Bruce from Mudhugger onto the podcast. Hi, guys. Welcome to the MTB Tribe podcast. Thank you very much for being on the show today. How are you getting on today? All good. No problem. I'm Bruce. And I'm Jamie. Hi, Gareth. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being on. I really appreciate it. It's great to have you on the show and uh, be able to talk about your product because you sell mud guards, among among other things. Um, so it's really great to have you on this time of year because it's something we all really kind of need to get on our bikes and uh, stop the mud from hitting, the, hitting us around the back of the ears. So <laughs> it's, good, it's good to get you on. That's a pleasure. Really looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, thanks for inviting us. So, guys, just talking about your brand, Mudhugger, um, can you just take us into it from the start uh, and tell us why you felt that you needed to start something like a, a, a Mudguard brand? Right, yeah, the, the, the concept of, of Mudguards and, and Mudhugger as a business was, wasn't really behind why we did it. Um, we designed a rear mud guard because there was nothing on the market that would keep us clean enough to let us get in a pub. Um, every Thursday night we go out riding and it, it was just Jay and I at the very start. Um, and we stop at a pub on the way home and have a few beers. And we recently moved to sort of full suspension bikes with dropper posts. 
and there was just nothing um, on the market that would keep your, you know, your backside clear. Mm-hmm. Just covered in mud, you couldn't go in the pub in the winter months. It was really born out of necessity. Yeah, so you guys were going out for your ride, you were coming back, you were you were chloride head to toe in mud, and you couldn't go inside and sit, sit in the pub, obviously, because you would destroy their interiors. Um, yeah, the, uh, we used to get very dark looks from the uh, from the landlord, um, and so it was either it was either put up with that, or uh, go outside with the smokers. Yeah, so you were having to stand outside in the cold, with while being cold. That's 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 right. Yeah, covered, <laughs> covered in mud and wet, and uh, and obviously outside, um, in the cold. Yeah, and so how did it kind of go from that level of? Did you even look on on the market at anything else, or um, did you kind of talk to any of the other brands to see if there was anything else available at that time? Or we we were we were using cruds up until that point, um, obviously being the market leader. Um, and I I even sent crud an email asking if they were going to design something like ours, mm-hmm. um, and they said we're thinking about it. <clears throat> Um, I also bought um, another mudguard manufacturer's version of uh, something that clamps onto the seat stays. Tried that, but broke that on the very first run down the hill. <laughs> um, and um, that was the week after Bruce had made the very first prototype uh, of his of of the idea we had. Um, so he's worked really well. I bought that other one thinking, oh, I can't be asked to uh, to make one myself. Broke it, made my own the next week, uh, which looks pretty much what it looks like now. So I sort of I made it look a bit nicer and a bit more uh, uh, pleasing to the eye, and, uh, and that's really where we got to uh, just before the Christmas of uh, what was that, 2000, 2012 Christmas, and. So how did you kind of go from not really having any design background as such to designing it? Was it just trial and error? Did you sketch things up? Did you just make prototypes out of cardboard? What way did you go about that? Um, well, the prototypes were made out of um, old mud guards and bits of metal we've got knocking around the factory here and pop with it. <laughs> um, in terms of actually designing it, um, Really, from the beginning, it was all about function uh, rather than form um, because we knew it was going to have to be something big for it to work properly. And uh, the design side, sort of making it look a bit better, um, really we took advice from the manufacturers when we spoke to them a few months later on, mm-hmm. having decided that we were going to go down. Um, but the actual shape... Really, the shape didn't change from from the second prototype. In all honesty, it just got bigger and wider, and stiffened in different places, and thickened in different places, and thinned in other places to to make it as light and uh, and and yet flexible and strong enough all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, between the two, obviously, who who was the first person to say let's let's turn this into a business? Because <laughs> um, it was actually. A jo- it really was a joint yes let's do it mm-hmm. um, statement really we were sat down with the, com- well, the company accountant 
and um, he'd come in to talk to us about our normal job and we were going through the figures and um, we sort of put the mudguard on the, on the table and said, look, we've come up with this idea. Um, what do you think? And he basically said, well, you've got a bit of cash knocking around in the business. You can go take it and put it in your pockets and have a nice holiday or buy a car or whatever you want to give it the missus, whatever you want to do, um, and pay the taxman a big chunk of it. Or you can gamble it on that thing you've got on the table in front of me. You know, he said, to be honest, you know, guys, why not? Because if you don't do it, you'll probably spend, you know, you could spend years thinking, well, what if? And kicking yourself, really, if we hadn't done anything. And we sort of both looked at each other and went, you know what, why not? Um, Let's do something radical, something properly different. Uh, And that that was it, really. Yeah, and what? When was that? When did that all take place? Probably the January, actually. Mm-hmm. So we made the first prototypes in the November mm-hmm. of 2012, and then that was probably Jan 2013. Yeah. So pretty, very quickly, really. In in hindsight, didn't seem it at the time, but yeah. And, and did you validate the the idea anyway? Did you get friends involved or do anything like that, or did you just just believe in the product and just start to get a bite yeah it was, it was a really cold january actually and we spent quite a few uh, afternoons standing around um canic car park i think canic chase um where the trail center is in canic i can't remember the name of it mm-hmm. uh just going up to total strangers in the car park saying boy have a look at this what do you think and uh, that was when we quickly learned that there was uh, sort of the opinion was divided to almost 50 50. It's very Marmite with Marmite People either really love them or really, really don't like them and would never use one. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was enough of the yeses uh, from that to actually say, well, let's, let's give it a go. Yeah, yeah, it's funny among mountain bikers, really, you'll get the, the kind of guys, I'm sure, that are like, well, mountain bikes shouldn't have mud guards, you're supposed to get dirty, you're on a mountain bike, you know, you know that kind of way. Um, but from your point of view, it was obviously helping you guys do what you wanted to do, so to be able to go in and get a pint, etc., and keep your bike and yourself relatively clean in a way, you know? Yeah, uh, it's definitely an age thing, certainly for the, for the back mud guards, obviously, We've got all the front ones now, so that's a different market. But the, for the back one, um, we knew it was going to be, you know, the older people like us who probably been riding for a long time and are just just fed up of getting muddy. Yeah. Um, and and that's I think it had a that a sort of gone through really that 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 is the sort of market that we go for on the rear. Yeah. And and how did you start the the production process then? Um, you know, how do you take it from a prototype to actually getting stuff made? Did you contact factories that you thought could make s- such a product? Yeah, pretty much. Um, literally did a, a search on the computer for local um, injection molders. Um, we were pretty sure even, having known nothing about molding, we were pretty sure injection molding would be the way forward. Um, given the shape we wanted to achieve. So we um, we knocked on a few doors, basically, and talked to the factories and the, the people in there and um, went with the one 
Odu that was closest to us, um, and then sort of start started the ball rolling with those guys, and they sort of got us through the first year um, of, of trading and, and making things. Yeah. So, so all the products are made locally then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, we make we make as much as we can in the UK. Um, there are a couple of things that we have to buy in that we just can't buy in the UK. But part of the when we set this up, we said um, as much as possible must be made and done in the UK. Um, it's just something we feel strongly about. You know, we, we like to see the jobs uh, and the work and the money generated and kept here rather than. Just go off and, and get a you know slightly cheaper price and have it made in China. Um, just doesn't seem to make sense to us. We'd rather get it done here. Yeah, no, it's a lovely thing. It, it really is. Um, definitely. Like I was chatting to the guys not so long ago from BTR Fabrications that make the bikes in, mm-hmm. in the UK. Yeah. And, um, you know, it would make sense for them to go abroad to get stuff made, but that's not why they started it, and that's not why they do it. So it's really nice to have that in a product, you know, I, I think, and even more so now than ever, I think people really appreciate that. Yeah, it's, to be honest, it, it started out as a, what would you say, as a, as a thing that we wanted to do because we felt it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, it was definitely the right thing to do because whenever we've come across problems or things haven't been, you know, quite the way we imagine they would be made or drawn or fabricated or whatever it might be because we deal with people that are fairly close to us we actually go and talk to them um and see the thing and, and look at it and sit around a table and you get the thing sorted out or the problem sorted out far more quickly and easily um that way obviously they're trying to deal with somebody you know a couple of thousand or five thousand miles away or whatever it is um on a telephone call, there's just so much more you can do if you're sat looking at somebody and uh, and looking at the thing you're talking about. Yeah, no, yeah. certainly. And, and I suppose they can say, well, did you think of this or think of that? Or if we made that yeah. like this, it yeah. would work slightly better or would be more durable or whatever it may be. Yeah, we, we take a lot of cues off people who've been in certainly the industries, you know, the moulding side of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've taken a lot of advice off them, and, and I think that the product stands up because of that. Yeah, so you've got more than one design out there, obviously. So who comes up with all the different designs then? Is it yourselves, or do you get help with that, or feedback from your customer base, or what way does that work? Uh, no, we, we we design everything ourselves. Um, we've pretty much gone to people and said, can you make this? Um, and looking so far, the answer has been yes. Um, so everything that we have available is something we we come up with basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't had to bring anyone else in this to help us with uh, with anything. Yeah, and are you always looking at improving the product? Um, maybe from materials or sizes or fit or design, etc. Is always looking to kind of make the thing a wee bit different and, and improve it and improve it. Yeah, if, if um, we've taken cues um, from typically from people we have a lot of respect for, you know, bikers we have respect for, or racers in particular, who 
we might come up with some ideas um, or say, could you change this? Could you, do, could you come up with that? And they sort of give us an inspiration to come up with a, a solution to the problem they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're constantly looking at things and, and just questioning, is this still the best way of doing something? It's always a bit difficult using injection molding because you, 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 your big costs are in the upfront tool costs to, to mold the thing. So once you've molded it, to change that tool um, can either be totally impossible or at best pretty expensive. Um, so we do try and build tools with, with the manufacturers of the tools with as much uh, leeway mm-hmm. for alterations as we can get away with. Um, but it is limited once you've made the tool itself. Yeah. And what uh, what would be your most popular product that you have? Uh, these days, it's probably the FR, is the, which is the, the larger of the most guards. That one is um, it, it does everything. So you know, if, if we're going to, someone's asked us our advice, um, we would tell them to go for that one every time because it. It's still very you know, sleek. It's not really obvious when it's on the bike unless they put it on. Um, so you yeah, can just leave it on and, and forget about it. Um, so that, that probably leads people down that route of buying that. Uh, and certainly with 650B uh, being probably the most popular wheel size now, that ATL suited to that size. Yeah, yeah. Would that suit any kind of style of riding as well? You know, could you take that on cross country to downhill or? It, the the front mud guards yeah just work well with all of them um they'll they'll do almost everything a rear mud guard you you wouldn't you wouldn't want to fit a rear mud guard on the on the back of um like Bruni's bike and, and send him down Chambray or anything like that I'm not sure <laughs> I'm not even I'm not sure even that would take it I mean we've yeah we've we've tested the rear mud guards at um well we purposely went to Antor Stiniog in the summer, was it summer of 2012? The first times? 2013. And um, we got very queer looks because it, it was a really warm, hot, sunny day, very rare for Antor. Um, and we were barreling down as fast as we could go down these rocky runs, um, testing the mud hugger. Um, you know, when no one else would have bothered putting a mud guard on at all, and there was three of us doing that. And it stands up to that, no problem. But the, and the fronts just stand up to, or, you know, any abuse from World Cup down to, I mean, commuters use them. You know, they they, they they fit them on. So it does everything on the front. Yeah, perfect. And and what's the kind of price point to your products then? Just a just a, a rough overview. Yeah, um, on the uh, mud guards, the front mud guards, the small ones, eighteen quid. The FRs, twenty five. On the rear mud guards, the uh, standard rear, which is really 26-inch wheels, um, is £23. And the, the bigger one, which does the 650B and the 29ers, is £27.50. Mm-hmm. And, and are your products available to buy through high street outlets um, and via your online store as well? Yes. Um, we've... For the last few years since we started, we've been predominantly um, direct sales online. Mm-hmm. We had a few shops um, starting to take them on board, um, but more recently we've, 
we started doing with the UK distributor as well. So they're going out to the shops now. Mm-hmm. And and do, how do you go about picking the stores that you want to supply? Are you quite picky in the way you do that and stuff, or or you know, did you do you have guys you just know what way did you just go about organising all that? Um, originally, we we just waited for stores to come to us, and geographically, if they were in the right sort of place, i.e., there wasn't another store in the same town sort of thing, um, and the store was. You know, we, we thought the way they'd been approached was, was, was reasonable, which I have to say, all the stores we deal with seem very reasonable people. We, we, we dealt with them. But it got us up to you dealing with perhaps about 30, maybe we'd done 50 stores um, over a couple of years that we were supplying to on a regular and irregular basis. But we just didn't have the time to go out there searching stores and, and trying to find new ones and, and when the distributor approached us um it just seemed like you know it was like having a, a sales team join you to go and yeah mud guards out there um as we realized that the sales model of direct selling and sort of run its course because there's a huge swathe of riders who don't read um magazines on a monthly basis and mm-hmm. um, don't go on the internet looking at what the latest trends and fashions are and, and, and what's getting reviewed and what, you know, World Cup downhill riders put on their bikes. They're just not bothered. They just like riding their bikes on the weekends and go out yeah. with their mates and get everything from the local store. Yeah. Uh, and and that, that's why we went down the, the, the shop route, really. It just got us out to far more people than we could have ever have reached using social media and the internet. Yeah, and it's nice to give the local stores a wee bit of money back too, isn't it? You know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's a you know we've got to know a lot of a lot of stores now over the last few years, and you realise it's a, you know they have a hard job. Um, you know, they have to compete with a lot of stuff on the internet, and um, it, it's good. Some of them really get into it, and you know they they, they really push mud, they really believe in it. And they'll turn around and say, yeah, it's great, it sells really well, and it, it, it's a good product for us to sell. Yeah, and I suppose because you guys have tested them and there's not a lot of um, returns, you know, it's a, it's a nice product to sell. You're not getting somebody coming in the store a week later saying this is snapped or this is broke, you know, so it's a nice yeah. product to stock. Yeah, it's, um, you know, you, you get you obviously get the odd problem. Um Quite often you realise it hasn't been treated quite right and followed the instructions and people get things a bit wrong. But generally we get very, very few um, returns or problems. And and I think you're right, the shops appreciate that. It's a simple product that solves a, you know, a problem for people. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. And is Mudhugger available in Europe or the US? Yeah, uh, quite early on we, uh, we were contacted by... Uh, someone from Europe and the, and the US actually um, who had seen the product and uh, wanted them initially for their um, demo bikes or and or hire bikes uh, and that you know having, having contacted them on on email and we actually went out to Europe and met up with the one guy and, uh, and, and sort of did the deal quite early on uh, for him to become the distributor for, for Europe. Uh, and we did a similar thing with USA uh, in probably January 
2014. Yeah, got the US on board in 2014, mm-hmm. um, which was nice because we, we got to go up to um, Portland, uh, which is where they're based, and did a few days riding up there too. Um, so yeah, so from uh, from the US, he supplied into all of USA uh, and to some local shops with him, and, and then for Europe, uh, which is at the Czech Republic, um, he does basically Europe and the rest of the world now. Um, wow. So he, he will ship. Uh, we have a very nice postal system in the Czech Republic, which, uh, which is very reasonable, which means we can ship to Canada and New Zealand at very, very cheap rates. Mm-hmm. Not quite free, but almost. <laughs> well, that's, that must have been pretty. Like, How did you feel when that happened? Because that, you know... That must have been pretty nice to get them contacts and and be able to ship, you know, a lot more product. Did you feel that Mudhugger was, was, you know, taken off them? Was that the big thing? Um, It it was more the fact that it was quite astounding to think that a couple of simple lads from from the West Midlands had come up with something that people on the other side of the world were actually emailing us about, saying, oh, can we buy this? We couldn't quite believe it, to be honest. the only, really, I'm trying to think of, out of the continents, the only continent we've not actually sold to is Antarctica now. Um, <laughs> we've, we've sold them to really odd places. Um, Bermuda, Azerbaijan, Cheers. Japan. Um, quite a lot gets to New Zealand. Seems really popular out there. Um, Australia. I, I, I like it. Um, obviously, North and West Europe is a big part of it, but really some strange, far-flung countries that you know you hear very little about. And you, you, it just must be people who really watch what goes on and, and follow internet and racing, really. Yeah. Find out about it. No, it's amazing. Have you ever been away anywhere on a, on a trip, on a bike trip or anything, and you've actually run into somebody using one of your products? Um, abroad, no, but we bumped into a guy at Plandegla um, about a month ago, three weeks ago, and he was using um, a mud hugger, mm-hmm. and he used to live in Canada, and had bought his in Canada, wow. and had moved back to the UK, um, and he bought it from a shop in Canada that we knew. And we, it was really surreal just bumping into him and, and sort of saying, "Oh, how so and so?" And yeah, and you know, where did you, where were you living in Vancouver? And it, it was just weird. He bought his back in Canada, uh, where we were just trundling around our, lo- you know, one of the local trail centres in North Wales. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? it? It's, it's really, it's really nice to see something like that. It's really, really nice. Yeah, he's still. Um, still get a little bit excited when you you go to a trail center and you ride past people and they're actually using the product it's still a bit surreal that yeah yeah i I don't know if you'd ever really get used to that kind of thing i'm I'm not sure i'm not sure we will really it is uh it's odd and yeah i at the bottom of my drive where i live was a bridal way um and I, I bore my family senseless by looking at everybody whenever I'm out. Can't help but you, you notice what mudguards they've got or haven't got. So my wife's always known that for that. 
Yeah, and uh, the brand, the brand's received some great reviews, uh, both online and in magazines. Like, how did all that come about? Did you send product to magazines? Did they contact you? How did that work? Um, it, it, the magazine thing kicked off really early with um, one of our first um, sort of semi-molded prototypes. We got it, and we we sort of got this this thing made, and we were running them on the bikes, trialing it out. And um, we thought, well, how actually, how are we going to tell the rest of the world about this? So um, I, I literally phoned up Mountain Bike UK and said, hey, we've got this new product. We'd love to bring it down and, and show it you. And to be fair to them, they were really great. They just said, yeah, come down. So we went down to Bath, um, as that's where they were based at that time, and um, sat down with, with the guys there, the bike radar people in particular. And they were pretty enthusiastic about the whole thing. And it was a, a rough prototype. It wasn't super slick. And um, took loads of photos and talked to us about it. And we drove back to Birmingham um, sort of a couple of hours later. And even before we got back to the office, um, our Facebook page just started pinging away with people following us. And they put something up on the internet with some pictures and they they sort of really you know got them got got us out there to about 200 250 people started following us from nothing yeah amazing and they were pretty much our first customers those 250 yeah brilliant and did you see sales off off of that yeah um once we got going i mean that was early on that was in about the april of 2012 2013 and we didn't get into we didn't have anything to sell till the September mm -hmm. um, because it took that long to actually get to a production you know to actually get to production room um, but yeah those 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 first sort of 200 or so followers pretty much all of them became customers mm -hmm. uh, within the first sort of month that they were for the first few weeks they were our only customers well wow. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's it's very interesting the way the way it kind of you know you can go from from nothing to to having you know a good following there straight away. It's it's really interesting to see, and obviously the product was required, you know. Yeah, there's, I think as Jay said, it tends to be of people who've been riding for a good few years, um, and you know do get fed up of you know riding around with soaking wet back and um just want want, want to still really enjoy the riding you know that, that's what it's all about but mm -hmm. just want to be a bit more comfy yeah no cool um can you tell us a wee bit about sponsorship then um i know you sponsor a number of riders you sponsor we callum mcgee who was actually on the podcast in episode six um and he was bigging you guys up so that's how i really got got in contact with you um through callum but can you tell us about some of the riders you sponsor <laughs> Yeah, we um, we have we have different levels of sponsorship as you can probably imagine. So, like like Callum, we would uh, we, we we would describe him as, as an ambassador. Mm -hmm. um, so we've got a whole raft of UK, generally younger riders, nearly all of them racers from downhill through to enduro, some cross country, but not really a major thing for us in the cross country. Um, 
all the way up to, you know, like the World Cup riders. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've probably Danny and Sam uh, been up there amongst the top ones. Um, and we're, we're rather lucky. Um, some of the riders we've got, when we say we, we sponsor them, um, we don't actually sponsor them. Um, unless you consider free, free mud guard sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Um, so the likes of Loic and Miranda and Finn, um, they just choose to use our mud guards. We, we, don't actually, we don't actually pay any money out to those people. Um, so we've, and we've got a whole raft of other World Cup riders on the downhill scene uh, and EWS that are like that. And uh, that's, I wouldn't say it was more important, but it's, it's pretty gratifying when you, when you think of those riders choose to use them rather than us saying, well, you know, could you use that if we paid you some money? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a beautiful thing. And, and um, do, do the riders... Um, I was going to say appreciate your product, but they obviously do because they want to run with it. But do you think the riders using your product helps the product as far as sales goes from from you guys? Um, It's always a difficult question. We ask ourselves that every year when we look at how much product we give away (laughs) and to to sponsor, you know, to to what we call the ambassadors or the sponsored riders. Uh Um, I don't know. You know, you, we get some fantastic photographs. We get some fantastic coverage in the magazines and, and on um, on Red Bull. You know, that the, when when the World Cups are on, mm-hmm. um, it, it, for us, it's just you know, it's one of the best feelings is when you watch someone like Loic, Loic Bruni or Danny Hart um, win either a World Cup or, or or the World Champs, and they've got the mudguard on the bike. You know, you, it's that is that that's that's a pretty special feeling to think your product is is being used by those guys and uh, mm-hmm. in in a small way helps. Um, but whether it translates into sales, I think it does. I think it, it gives the product the the uh, what's the right word for that credibility. credibility yeah. That if these guys are using it, it's got to it's got to be good enough for them. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for the likes of you know likes of me certainly. And the magazines take you much more seriously if you can actually talk about that. Um, the press do, and people who follow racing notice it. But once you once we'd spent the first sort of year or so sort of getting closer to the, the racing scene, you realised it was a real bubble. You know, it's actually quite a small group of people. Mm-hmm. We all know each other, uh, and we all kind of get on in a funny sort of a way, even competitors um, in competing products. Um, but outside of that, there's a huge raft of people. So it does help, but it's difficult to decide by how much. Yeah, no, it'd be, it'd be hard to measure for sure. Um, do the riders give you any feedback regarding your product? Yeah, yeah, but they, t- they certainly tell you if it. If it lets them down, or it has a problem, or um, you know, don't tell you it helped them win the race. <laughs> um, they will actually, yeah. They, yeah, you know, awesome. if, if it's a real, if, especially in a really sloppy, you know, when it's been raining a lot and there's a lot of mud about, especially watery mud, the guys will come down, and um, the most common one is that they don't have to use as many tear offs, or or pull, they don't use tear offs so much these days, but 
pulling on the um, the old little toggle that moves the the, 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 the modern version of a tear off on your goggles, where the little yeah, plastic, yeah. plastic strip slides across. Mm-hmm. I'll say, you know, it, it makes a big difference because if you're having to pull that toggle every 20 or 30 seconds to keep, try and keep your vision clear, um, and then you don't have to pull the toggle so often because the mudder is keeping more of the spray down, um, that makes their race far more control. You know, it should help them get a better time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's very practical, you know, for them. Because um, <clears throat> another thing they don't have to think about, really, you know. Yeah, yeah. The last thing I did, I mean, I, I can't. <laughs> There's no way I can ride at a tenth of what they do. The last thing I want to do, you know, going down a hillside is take my hand off the handlebars. Yes, <laughs> it really is the last thing on my mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, guys, you're both in full-time employment there. Um and you both run the the mud hogger brand. Is there anybody else involved in mud hogger, or is it just yourselves? It is just us. Uh, wow. It's uh, so yeah, we 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 run another business uh, which is completely outside of the, the bike industry. Um, mm-hmm. We run a factory which employs fifty odd people. Completely separate for this. Um, yeah. And this this was really a hobby that turned into a you know. Um, a bit of a sideline, um, but this year, you know, it's, it's become it's become a standalone thing now, um, from you know very small amounts of uh, turnover to you know, what we think is, is high you know, turnover for us anyway. Mm-hmm. And how much time would it actually take up, guys? How much of your time would it consume to run Mod Hugger? Well, too much, really. <laughs> yeah, I could I think that? Um, yeah, it's, it's it's hard uh, trying to find the balance uh, when when we're working full time running our other business. Um, you know, in the morning, as soon as you wake up, uh, you're checking your emails from last night, uh, answering customers or potential customers' questions while you have your breakfast, um, and then during the day, sort of at the break times of, of work for me, I'll then be checking again. Um,
Right, really? Wow. Well. And uh, so that was really, it was really early on in the mountain bike days when there were no trail centres. Um, we literally used to go to Wales, mostly around Betsy Covid. And um, there was a little bike shop there that hired out bikes. Where I, I hired a bike for a bit uh, to follow Bruce around. And it was mostly just um, fire road riding then. So we just go out for five, six hours, just getting into the mountains. Um, nothing particularly technical in those days. Um, so it's been, it's been a long time. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And you, you must be really keen on it to keep going for this length of time. But what's the story I hear about about golf in the early days? Were you as golfers before mountain bikers? No, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a period of madness, sheer madness. Um, no, we, we, we both, we got into mountain biking really because our, our main sport back in the 80s was rock climbing and mountaineering. Mm-hmm. And so through the summer months, when it was hot and sunny and dry, we'd, we'd mostly be found up in Snowdonia clinging to vertical pieces of rock or falling off them. Um, and in, in the off-season, in the wetter months, like the, the autumn, winter, spring, while the rocks were pretty wet, that's when we used to do most of our mountain biking. Um, when we, we got to a point where we stopped rock climbing and mountain biking sort of took on a bit more, bit more of our time. Um, but it was also the time that the business sort of took off more and we got more involved in the business here. Mm-hmm. And playing golf seemed like a good idea at the time because everyone said you could do business playing golf. Yeah. And, uh, which isn't true at all. We didn't really do any business playing golf. Um, <laughs> just spent a lot of very frustrating hours hitting little white balls up and down bits of green mm-hmm. grass. And um, <laughs> we, we, I don't know, never say never. We, we, we occasionally, you know, have a dabble. Um, I'm bloody useless at it. I haven't got the temperament. I lose my rag and just just can't hit anything. And um, it's it, it's certainly not satisfying like riding your bike. There's very few bike rides that I've ever come back from in my life that I've said I haven't had a good time. Um, the only ones really are the ones where you end up in hospital. <laughs> yeah. Um, and even then, you, you quite often look back and go, "Well, it was a good ride. It was a really good crash. It was pretty spectacular." So. Um, mm-hmm. I've got lots of games of golf I'd really come back from. Yeah, get golf. immediately, like, uh, why do I even do this? <laughs> Golfing's ex, very much ex-golfers. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, so what's next for Modhogger, guys? Is there anything new planned for the future? Is there any new product planned for the future you can let us know about or anything like that? Yeah, nothing, nothing, uh, too, nothing too secret. Um, we've got... Um, some uh, biking, I wouldn't say MTB specific, but obviously we're into MTB more than anything else, but biking specific glasses uh, right. for the early part of next year. Um, mm-hmm. uh, another, another UK uh, brand uh, in conjunction with them on that. Um, so we're hoping that they're going to go down well. Uh, we've been using the samples for some time now, and we really like them, so um, we don't like ourselves ourselves. So um, that's a small, that's quite a small thing. Um, and the other thing we're we're working on at the moment is uh, road and gravel bike. We've got mm-hmm. 
um, which is proving to be rather difficult. Uh, a, we don't ride on the road. Um, we don't even have a road bike, so it's, it's, it's quite tricky. <laughs> but uh, if, we can, if we can come up with some ideas that are actually better than the ones on the market, and I have to say that the stuff that's out there is pretty, pretty good, um, if we can improve on it, um, or we think we can, if we think how it's an improvement, then, then we'll go with it. And, you know, mm-hmm. Things we said from the outset, uh, you know, back in you know, 2013 when we were looking at this, was that if we can make something which is better than, or what we believe is better than what's on the market, then we'll press the green button and go with it. Yeah, very good. If we find good. that it's, it's only just as good as something, or, and, or maybe not quite so good, but you think, oh, well, we could it here. That's not really what we're about. You know, we want to be making things better for people and, uh, and be, you know, creative uh, and come up with new ideas rather than just, you know, copying other people and saying, oh, well, that's a modern version of whatever that is, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope, nope, certainly. And um, I hope that works out for you. That's very exciting. Um, and I hope you see. You just get going and moving and that. That would really help you move the business forward in the near future. But how can guys get in contact with you, lads? Um, how's, how is it best for guys to contact and find out more about the Mudhugger brand? Um, really, the, the main area is, is on our website itself, um, which is www.themudhugger.co.uk. We've both got Instagram feeds. Which is um, the Mudhugger and Mudhugger Two, and our Facebook um, pages, which is the Mudhugger. It's all the Mudhugger because someone had Mudhugger before we did. They make <laughs> they make um, it's like ramblers. It was like rambling clothing, and, and they wouldn't let it go. They wouldn't let the brand, even though they don't make anything anymore. They wouldn't let the name go. So right. we got yeah. the Mudhugger, which is a bit of a shame, but. So be it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the, the website's pretty good. It gives a lot of information. But, you know, if anyone's looking at things and, and not 100% sure or not quite sure, pick, we answer emails and calls all the time advising people. Um, so, yeah, and on our email, it's sales at themudhugger.co.uk. Yeah, no, that's all very good, and I'll put all the links on the show notes as well. So Brilliant. if anybody wants to get in contact, there's just a, it's just an easy way to do it there. Yeah. Um, so, so guys, listen, thanks very much for taking time out of your busy schedule there today. I really appreciate it, um, and I know you've been super busy over the last couple of weeks there. So, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. It's been great having you on. Cheers, Gareth. I really appreciate being asked, and uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's great. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. Yeah, no, you're more than welcome, and um, I'll speak to you in the near future, guys. Thanks, Gareth. Cheers. All the best, all the best. Cheers. Bye. That's the end of episode number 13, guys. I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope you took some good information from that. I just want to say a big thank you from Jamie and Bruce for coming on from Mudhugger, um, taking us inside the world of Mudhugger and telling us the story of how they started. And it's very exciting to see a UK brand like that starting from 
quite a simple idea to what it has grown to today so that's really encouraging and I hope Jamie and Bruce all the best in the future with Mudhugger um, they seem to be going in the right direction anyway so guys if you want to know more about Jamie and Bruce and the Mudhugger brand please go on to the website's show notes it's mtb-tribe.com you'll get all their links in there you'll get information on videos and stuff how to fit the brand onto your bike etc all good stuff there but if you need any further information the guys do answer emails and will speak to you directly so just get in touch via the links on the show notes that would be great and please help the show any way you can go on to itunes go on to stitcher rate the show and please share the show with friends five star ratings are awesome and if it's not five star please email me let me know why you'll get all the information on the website and let me know why and how i can make it better for you guys you can also find us on socials at instagram mtv tribe and also facebook mtv tribe so that's it for this week guys i hope you enjoyed the show if you have any recommendations or anybody you would like to see on the show please go on the website mtb-tribe.com subscribe there leave me a message um, and i will try my best to get that person on the show for you i do answer all the emails i do read them all and i try and get back to you as soon as i can so thanks again guys for listening i really appreciate it have a good day and keep pushing those pedals